Welcome in to the Chiefs Business Podcast. You are here with Andy and... Gavin and... And who else? And Terry. All right. Well, we have got a podcast of firsts for you here this evening while we're recording it in the evening. Uh, This is the first podcast that we are recording after a Chiefs victory. All right. (laughs) Uh, This is also the first time we are recording a podcast where Gavin has been to a regular season Chiefs game. So, Gav, you got to go to the Chiefs game against the Packers. Daniel, Daniel. I need words. It was the greatest day of my life. Okay. (laughs) 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 All right. And so, do you know the reason why you got to go to the Chiefs game? Your birthday. It was my birthday, and I got a very generous gift from Gigi and Terry, who are joining Woo-hoo! us on the podcast right now. This is the first podcast where we've got two guests. We've had Gigi sit in before, the episode right before the season started. She's joining us again, but now we've also added Terry to the fold. That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> He's always correct. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Gavin already mentioned that it was a birthday present. I do have a birthday coming up, and the two of you decided to join forces to get us tickets to the Chiefs game. Why don't you tell us about how that came to be? Okay, well, this is Gigi speaking, and I will take this one, because what I'm going to tell you is I actually listen to your podcasts, enjoy them very much. Um, I learned from Mark Stair that you say longtime listener, longtime fan. So that is also true for me. Um, and in one of your early episodes, uh, Gavin at one point begged you for the opportunity to go to a Chiefs game. Uh-huh. And as you explained to him that they were not necessarily financially feasible, but you would see you weren't sure, so on and so forth. Um, but Gavin begged and begged and begged. And I believe it was the same podcast. Then you went on to ask Gavin if he could go, what game would he like to go see? And you shared, Andy, that you wanted to see the Packers, being as they were from the other league and you'd never seen them play. And, of course, they had have such an excellent reputation over all the years. So that planted a seed in Mama's mind, as these things do. And it uh, rolled around and rolled around and rolled around. And also the fact it was essentially one week before your birthday that the Chiefs were, in fact, playing the Packers in Kansas City just seemed like it was uh, the universe was aligning for that to actually happen. Um, Financially speaking, I couldn't wing it on my own for both of you to be able to go. So I reached out to your very favorite aunt, your very favorite generous aunt, who was game for anything. So I appreciate that because she is actually who uh, brought the whole thing together and made it happen for both of you to be able to go. So coolest aunt ever that you have. 
And thank you so much, Terry, for jumping in on it and helping to make it happen. You're welcome. I'm up for a party anytime, and you know that. And this sounded like a great party. <laughs> Ooh, can we can we boogie down tonight? I can boogie down any night. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the, and the great party was we didn't get to be there for it to see it in person ourselves. Uh, but up here in, in Packerland, it was on TV, so I did get to watch it. And um, I do have a question for Gavin regarding this experience. Okay, just a second. Gavin has stepped away from the microphone. Ah, he's a busy guy. Yeah, okay, he's back. What is your question for Gavin? <laughs> My question for Gavin is, since you were at your mama's house, when this whole thing came together and developed and came together, um, so your mama was the one that told you about it, had to have you dress appropriately, let you know you were being picked up early and all that. What, how did she tell you and what was your response? She did take a video. She did? Awesome. Yeah. Okay, cool. Can't wait to see that. Um, but tell us about it since we don't have She goes, capacity. so she, I'm pretty sure, I'm trying to remember this, but she said, um, so Gab, your dad's going to pick you up a little early this this week. Um, and then I said, um... And I said, why? Because, and she says, because you guys are going to go do something. Where are we going to go do? You guys are going to go to the Chiefs game. <gasps> Did you do backflips? No. I don't know how to do backflips. But, of course, when, I, when there's a split silence because, my, because I'm mouth opened, of course, Bo, my dog, has to come in and go... <laughs> he made, wanted to go as well. It, yeah, he needed to. He needed to have a part in the video. <laughs> <laughs> well, did she tell you the day of this event happening, or did you have to like wait for twenty four hours and try and sleep and while you were waiting, or did she wait till Sunday to tell you? Good question. I don't remember. Okay. All right. He was in such joy, he blocked it out. He must have blocked it out. That's right. Yeah. Every so. <laughs> Everything before then is just gone. It's just a blur. Yep. <laughs> so, Gavin, did it, quick question, and we'll dissect it more in the podcast, but did the experience live up to your dreams? Was it fun? Did you love it? Do you want to go again? Yes, yes, and yes. Woohoo! All right. What was the best part about it for you, Gavin? The beginning, before, watching the Chiefs run out. Sneed. The, whole... the Darius Sneed interception. That was good. How about outside of plays, individual plays in the game, what was your favorite part of going to watch a game at Arrowhead? Uh, Did you like parking and walking? No. Did you like leaving the stadium and waiting in the line to walk across the bridge to get to our back to our car? No. Hmm. Did you like eating a hot dog and frosty malt? Or chicken tenders is what you actually got. Yeah. Man, I lost five bucks because of that. (laughs) (laughs) 
Now, Terry, would you like to expound on that? <laughs> yes. I bet Andy $5 that you would eat a hot dog and a Frosty Malt before the end of that, end of the half. <laughs> and you ate chicken tenders. Sorely disappointed. And French fries. Yeah, I also had some French fries. They were spicy. Mm. Did you like the fireworks at the end? <sighs> pew, 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 pew. Yeah. <laughs> And I, you know, Andy, I don't know if you realize this, but you took a self. Well, you did realize that you took a selfie, obviously. But at the end of the game, you and Gavin head to head, smiling, happy, and you had that live feature going with mm. your iPhone, mm-hmm. and the fireworks started right perfectly behind you, just as you took the snap the pic. So that was pretty cool. That there was that, those few that was on purpose. Live. That was on purpose. Good, good job. Good job. Thank you. It did look pretty cool. That yeah. sounded more like a bomb, not a firework. <laughs> so, hey, Andy. How yes. about talking about that Chiefs game? Yeah. So, we were actually able to uh, end up with some pretty good tickets uh, because Aaron Rodgers decided to not get vaccinated and then got COVID right before the game. Um, which is which is good for the game Chiefs wise. I mean, which is game which is good game wise for the Chiefs, but not good human health wise. Yeah, uh, it turns out that Aaron Rodgers might be a little bit of a anti vaxxer so I'm sure that plenty of people in Green Bay were like, "You done messed up, Aaron." <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Um, was that can a I sound leave? Clip or- that was, was a sound that clip. That's actually from okay, Key and Peele. It's a fairly famous <laughs> comedy skit from probably yeah. about six or seven years ago. Okay, because I was like, who who joined the who joined the podcast? <laughs> yeah, this guy is mean. <laughs> who joined the podcast? This guy is mean. I don't want him on here. Uh, yes, but anywho, so. A lot of the tickets that were available at the, the uh, outset were uh, fairly expensive, uh, but because Aaron Rodgers uh, got COVID and was no longer able to play, there was uh, price drops, pretty significant price drops as, we, uh, as the game approached throughout the week. So we were actually able to get tickets in the fifth row, uh, kind of down in the corner by the player tunnel where they all come out during the introductions. Ooh, can I do the Patty Mahomes? What's the Patty Mahomes? Ah, let's get this party started! Does he actually say that? I'm sure he does. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm sure he does when he comes out, like, just flexing his muscles, punching his chest like King Kong. Do people really call him Patty Mahomes? I do. My fantasy league is called that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God! Oh boy! Yeah. Okay. He doesn't like Carry to be called me. Pat. Then what other to Patrick, call him? which is what his name is. Mm-hmm. Just like his dad. Which Patrick are you talking about? His dad is named Pat, <laughs> which is why he wants to go by Patrick instead of Pat. Oh, so his name is Pat. That would get very confusing in the house with two <laughs> Pats. <laughs> Pat, can you come downstairs? Which Pat? 
All right. So we yeah. had great seats. So now we can jump in. Well, I guess, is there anything else you want to say about, uh, about the Arrowhead experience, Gav? All right. So let's <laughs> jump into the game. Gav, what was the score? Uh, uh, 13 to 7. Yeah. Who, who, who had what score? Uh, the Chiefs had Chiefs had 13, Packers had 7. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that is just what everybody expected from the Chiefs and the Packers. A defensive battle. Right? Yeah. That's what you were expecting when we went, right? I know nothing about the Packers, so I wasn't really expecting anything. They had league MVP Aaron Rodgers. I knew he was out. Okay. All right, so let's just run through some of the big plays of the game. First drive, Kansas City got the ball, went right down the field, culminating in a one-yard touchdown pass to Travis Kelsey. The ball went back over to Green Bay. They went a decent way down the field and ended up in field goal range, but their kicker missed a 40-yard field goal to to – Keep the score seven nothing. Uh, Chiefs from that point on struggled a little bit uh, throughout the rest of the first half. So the next major thing that happened was Green Bay got the ball back, took it down the field to get back into field goal range once again to attempt a thirty-seven yard field goal, which was actually blocked by Alex Okafor and the Chiefs, keeping the score at seven and nothing. Uh, the Chiefs did get the ball back late. In the second quarter, uh, ended up hitting a 24-yard field goal uh, with just a little bit less than two minutes left in the half. That drive actually started off on the Green Bay 10-yard line uh, after they uh, muffed a punt uh, that ended up having to be challenged, but uh, Kansas City won. We recovered that punt on the 10-yard line. Uh, got down to the one-yard line with the offensive plays, uh, and we're going for it on fourth and one from the one-yard line to try and score a touchdown. But there was a false start on one of the offensive linemen. Backed up, ended up kicking a 24-yard field goal to give the Chiefs a 10 to nothing lead. Green Bay got the ball, tried to march down the field to get into field goal range right at the end of the half, but ended up turning the ball over on downs back to the Chiefs with about 30 seconds left. The Chiefs went down the field, uh, got into field goal range, and Harrison Butker hit a 55-yard field goal with six seconds left in the half. That's the butt kicker we know. That's right. And... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> For anyone that doesn't know, Harrison Butker, our kicker, had, a, a, I believe his his tag on Twitter mentioned something about butt kicker. And then shortly after he was picked up by the Chiefs, uh, Andy Reid was asked about it, and he's not super technically savvy. So he, he called it buttkicker.com, which was pretty <laughs> funny. <laughs> Uh, uh. Uh, so anyway, with that made field goal going into halftime, the Chiefs had a 13 to nothing lead. Coming out in the second half was pretty defensive battle. Both 
both sides kind of going back and forth without getting many scoring opportunities. Uh, Into the fourth quarter, the Packers were starting to drive, and uh, there was a throw going up to Devontae Adams, one of the, the Packers' best receiver and one of the best receivers in the NFL, that actually ended up getting intercepted by Legereus Sneed. Yeah, Gab. Can I do it now? Yeah. Okay. So on Monday Night Football, um, I was um, watching the game, and at halftime they were actually talking about um, something that did they, that they do called "You Got Mossed," and the the top one pick was actually Jarius Sneed's pick, and he actually mossed him for the interception. Yeah. And so that that segment, I believe, is done by Randy Moss, one of the commentators uh, on on Monday Night Football, uh, the pregame specifically. And I believe he will pick the plays that are the most impressive catches of the week, or at least the games on that had happened up to that point in the week. And so that that was a very good. Uh, play where Legereus Sneed high-pointed the ball and caught it over one of the better receivers in the NFL. Uh, After that interception, the Chiefs didn't really do much with the ball, ended up punting it back to Green Bay. Green Bay marched down the field uh, and actually did score their touchdown with about five minutes to go in the fourth quarter. It's a 20-yard pass from Jordan Love, who I, I haven't mentioned yet. I, I did mention that Aaron Rodgers was out with COVID, but Jordan Love stepped in. He's a first-round draft pick last year. That was a fairly controversial pick because the Packers did still have Aaron Rodgers. And uh, so this was his first opportunity to start. Uh, he did make the 20-yard pass down to Alan Lazard. Alan Lazard was being covered by Dan Sorensen. And if you remember our past podcasts, um, we are not a fan of how Dan Sorensen has been playing this season, and he continued his struggles on that particular play because he was nowhere close to Alan Lazard in coverage. And then once Alan Lazard caught the ball, Dan Sorensen got completely juked out of his shorts, fell down, <laughs> and Alan Lazard walked into the end zone. Alan Lazard is not a particularly shifty wide receiver. He is actually 6'4 or 6'5 and more known for his length and his ability to high point the ball. Um, And the fact that somebody would get juked is rather embarrassing for that person. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, then the the last drive after Kansas City got the ball back after Green Bay scored, Uh, Kansas City never gave the ball back to Green Bay. They did a very good job of controlling possession of the ball, and that drive kind of culminated with a third and 10 play that was converted with a 13-yard pass to Tyreek Hill that allowed the Chiefs to just kneel on the ball, finish up the game, 13-7 final. Chiefs win. Woo-hoo! Chiefs win. How about those Chiefs? How about those Chiefs? Oh. So, Gav, you, you said your favorite play was the Legereus Sneed interception. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. We had a pretty good view on it. That was actually down towards our end of the field. That was right in front of me. 
Yeah. I was standing in the aisle, and that was right smack down in front of me. Excellent. Yeah. And did you guys know? It's pretty exciting on TV, too. It's my teacher's birthday today. Happy birthday, teacher. Miss Corbin. Happy birthday, Miss Corbin. You have to tell her to listen now. Listen right up! No. I'm talking about when you go to school. Oh. Tell your teacher that there's a happy birthday wish for her. Hey, can I bury In the podcast. She's not at the school right now. Okay, I'll do it anyway, just to make sure. All right. So, Gigi, you said you were able to watch the game. Obviously, you are up in Wisconsin, as we mentioned the last time you were on the podcast. What is the uh, feeling of how things are going up in Wisconsin right now? Well, everybody's pretty bummed. I will say in watching the game, listening to the commentators, for example, at the commercial breaks and or at halftime, they were very heavily in support of Green Bay. Um, They were anticipating that Green Bay was going to pull it together and come soaring out of the dugout for the second half and turn things (laughs) around. (laughs) And I was like, what? That's not going to happen. But well, coming out of the dugout was their first problem. But that's, that's <laughs> that would be correct. Hey, what did they call it at the football game? Like, the baseball players got a dugout. What did the football players Locker have? room. The locker room. Very good. Mm. Good catch, too. You are paying attention. I don't think Andy caught that. No, or- I did. I, I was just going to wait until you were done. Oh, I was going to say, or you didn't want to embarrass your mother, which Terry has no problem doing. (laughs) That's correct. (laughs) But anyway, those commentators were very heavily, heavily, heavily towards uh, leaning towards Green Bay and just had a lot of discussion about all that going on. And um, I will say also since then, there's been, of course, a lot of discussion about Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers getting fined for his shenanigans with his vaccination and slash immunization or lack thereof. Um, and then everybody. You know what's up, Aaron? I will go see. I, I hear that, and I have to take a split second. And go, was that Gavin? And then it's like, no, that couldn't be. Gavin. And then I go, is that Andy? It'd be like, no. And it's like somebody else is in the podcast again. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, everybody's saying that you're getting messed up, Ron. <laughs> that was Gavin, right? That was Gavin. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but everybody up here's uh, saying the Chiefs played really bad, but they won anyway, and of course they say the only reason was because of Aaron Rodgers. So being out of the game. So just saying, that's what I'm hearing up here. Mm. Did you get to watch any of the game, Terry? I did watch uh, bits and pieces of the game because I'm always afraid to watch because I feel like I jinx them every time I watch the game (laughs) from completion. So I I only check in at certain points to see how it's going. But um, I I have a question for Gavin, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wondered how kids are feeling about Aaron Rodgers' behavior, not necessarily with the vaccine, but, but his behavior before then with the contracts and kind of being um, acting oddly. I wondered what the kids were thinking about that because 
kids typically look up to their football heroes and I wondered what what they were thinking. I was thinking his haircut sucked. (laughs) But then I actually realized why his haircut sucked. (laughs) Why? Because because he was using he was growing out his hair for a Halloween costume. Wow, that's dedication, man. Yeah. But that Halloween costume must be ugly. Yeah, he went as uh, he went as John Wick. Who the heck was that? That's a movie you'll probably be able to watch in about five years. Actually, four years. Cool. As Gavin could testify, he could just go get a wig. He didn't have to be growing his hair, right, Gavin? Mm -hmm. Wigs work. Sure. Sure. Your Halloween costume had a wig. Oh yeah. So, anybody have any takeaways from the game? Well, I will say this: it would have been very embarrassing if we did not win, in the under the circumstances that we were given. I have also I, lately realized that Patrick Mahomes has been throwing at the ground a lot lately, or just throwing into thin air. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes hasn't been his normal self so far this year. That is definitely true. Uh, there have been some Chiefs analysts who have actually gone back and, and looked a little bit deeper uh, using the All-22 footage that the NFL makes available in the NFL Game Pass a little bit after the game ends. And actually, it looks like this past week he actually played better, even though the numbers didn't necessarily reflect that. Uh, than he had been in the, the Titans game and the Giants game the, the, the couple weeks before. Uh, there was some struggles this game specifically with receivers catching the ball. Uh, I think there that's were, the part I saw. Yeah, the receivers not catching the ball. <laughs> <laughs> if, so we know the plays that you watched because that those were the only ones you saw. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And you felt like. You felt like the jinx holds true when I watch. It does. It does. I see. So, but my question is, uh, it seems that Patrick Mahomes, when I've seen him play this season, he seems to be staying in the pocket a lot more and not um, being as mobile, which means he's getting sacked a lot more. Or it seems like it is to me, even though he has a better front line. And so... Why is that happening? Or am I just seeing bits and pieces and not seeing the big picture, Andy? So you are you are correct in your assessment. Um, that is one of the things that Patrick Mahomes, as good of a quarterback as he is, still does need to work on. The offensive lines were so poor the first few years that he was a starter that most of the time when there was initial pressure, it was time for him to get out of there. So that, I think, became kind of a habit for him. And he's such a good player out of structure that when he went into the scramble drill, he was as effective, if not more so, than he was from the pocket. So Mm -hmm. that was a piece of it. So I think it's taking him a little while to actually adjust to the fact that he has good offensive linemen in front of him instead of the fact that he had a fairly poor offensive lineman in front of him in the early part of his career. 
one of the spots specifically that is significantly improved over where it was last year in the past few years is the interior of the offensive line. So that's your two guards and your center. And I think the trio that Kansas City has is probably the best in the league. If you know, if not, they're top three, I would say for sure. One of the things that became a habit for Mahomes in the previous years was whenever he would get pressure, he didn't have the room to step up into the pocket because there was no room there. That's actually usually where the pressure was coming from. So his tendency was to run backwards and kind of out and around. Mm -hmm. So this year with the better offensive line, um, one of the things that has changed the tackles that the chiefs have are more physical, uh, which makes them better run blockers, but they are not necessarily as athletic as pass blockers as the tackles that the chiefs had in prior years. So one of the things he was able to get away with when he would go out and around with those other tackles, um, they were pretty agile, pretty athletic, weren't the strongest guys. So they struggled with power pass rushers, but they were pretty successful against speed pass rushers. Yes, Gavin. I forgot to mention this, but um, another thing that I think helped us in the game was that their backup uh, wasn't that good. Uh, First uh, throw of the game was straight at the ground but it was supposed to be to somebody. Mm -hmm. So he didn't start off the game too well. Mm. Yeah, he might have been a little bit nervous since it was his first time starting. So anywho, back to the offensive line question that Terry raised. So the linemen that are in front of him now uh, are kind of the opposite of what they had last year, specifically on the tackles, in that they're – more physical linemen, um, but the thing that they need to work on is those speed rushers. So um, one of the things that offensive linemen are kind of taught is essentially to redirect those speed rushers. And so what those offensive linemen generally do is try to push those speed rushers out and around the pocket So if those Mm -hmm. speed rushers kind of get a step, what those tackles are taught to do is kind of try and push them back, back so that it go kind of behind the quarterback. Unfortunately, what Patrick Mahomes was doing, as was kind of his tendency the previous couple years, was to step back and try and run out and around. So what was happening is those speed rushers would kind of get a step on the tackles. The tackles would do what they are supposed to do, and try and push them around. Unfortunately, Patrick was trying to run back and around and would almost basically be running into that pressure. Mm-hmm. So that is actually one of the things that he did significantly better in this game against the Packers. He was hanging out in the pocket a lot more, uh, and instead of trying to make drastic movements to escape the pocket – Uh, If there was an obstacle that came into his area, he would just take small steps to kind of work around that, move up in the pocket um, to be able to, you know, keep his eyes downfield and and still avoid the pass rush, 
without getting into situations where he was running into sacks. So mm-hmm. that is definitely an area that Patrick needs to improve on. And uh, I think, you know, he's still getting used to the fact that he's actually got a decent line in front of him. So I, I would expect to see that continue to improve as he gets more used to playing with his offensive line. Okay. That's a good explanation. Better than I've ever heard before. <laughs> Most people say, well, people have figured out Patrick Bobbs and, and yeah, no, that's just it. No. And I'm just like, no, what? That's like assuming that he can't adapt to what situation is in front of him. Yeah. So. Yeah. And so I think another thing that he has a tendency to do and is adjusting to this season is one of the things that he was so good at in the first couple years of his career is how he handled blitzes from the other team. Mm-hmm. And so a blitz is just defined as five. Yes, Gav. It's when all the linemen rush the QB. Yep. And so uh, usually there is four down linemen um, on defenses. So a blitz is just considered when ever five or more defensive players are, are sent to rush the quarterback. And Patrick Mahomes was very, very good at identifying what the defenses were doing and finding out where the ball needed to go, determining where the ball needed to go in very fast manner. And uh, he was one of the highest rated quarterbacks versus the blitz in the league um, for both of his first two years. So what teams have decided to do this year, and it was kind of based off of what the Buccaneers did in the Super Bowl, was they decided that they were just going to not blitz him hardly at all since he was so effective at diagnosing and dissecting the blitz and where the ball needed to go. They just said, all right, well, we're just going to rush the guys that we got right in front of you and we're going to drop everybody else back into coverage. So, you know, that'll hopefully limit a lot of the big plays that you get and make it so that you have to actually do a whole drive of normal plays instead of just giving up one big play on a blitz that you may have diagnosed well. And so I think that's been an adjustment for Patrick because he is definitely somebody who's always looking to make the big play. And when teams are lining up their two safeties 25 yards off the line of scrimmage at the snap of the ball, and the linebacker's first move is to run backwards into coverage, um, that's kind of limiting a lot of the thing that Patrick likes to do. So I think that's also been an adjustment for him because um, he's definitely somebody who likes to be pretty aggressive in getting the ball down the field. It hasn't helped that the Chiefs have been pretty prolific turning the ball over, which is not a good thing. Mm-hmm. So some of that was on Patrick. He would get impatient, and you know if the Chiefs fell behind, he was trying to get them back all in one play, so he might make a fairly stupid throw, which he did a few times and. Like the games against Tennessee, um, against the Chargers, he had a a bad one as well. Um, But then also when he would get the ball successfully to the other players on offense, 
and they would fumble the ball, that would only kind of add to the pressure that he felt to make all those big plays. So that is another thing that he's kind of been adjusting to. And uh, I think, again, started did a, did a pretty decent job of adjusting to what the defense was giving to him. I would like to see a little bit more play calling that would take advantage of the fact that those defenders are so far away from the line of scrimmage. And Mm -hmm. I think examples of that would be when you have six guys or fewer in the box. And so I'll explain what the box is Uh, within five yards of the line of scrimmage on the defense. Generally you will have four down linemen and two or three linebackers right there usually three linebackers, Um, and that area is kind of called the box. So if there are seven people in the box, that's kind of normal. If there are eight in the box, that means the defense is usually trying to keep the offense into fairly small range. You know, it's usually short yardage. Uh, They might be trying to stop the run. But if there are six or fewer in the box, that usually means they are more concerned about the pass. So... Uh, one of the things that you can do when they are putting six or fewer people in the box or you notice that the first move that linebackers are making is backwards is to actually run the ball. And the Chiefs have been decent at running the ball uh, as long as they are doing it in situations where the defense is not expecting it. And I think one of the things they need to get better at is actually calling plays that take advantage of that fact. So in this particular game, the Chiefs actually did run the ball 25 times, I believe, which is a a lot for the Chiefs. However, it seemed like when they were running the ball was very, very predictable for the defense. So I think I heard somebody say on the radio, or maybe it was one of the podcasts that I was listening to, that the last throw that they did on first down actually happened sometime in the middle of the third quarter. And then from then on out, every single first down that they had was a running play. So that obviously became pretty predictable for the defense and the effectiveness of those runs was not very good. So Mm -hmm. I think they need to work on mixing up their play calling Um, and when they do run the ball, uh, do it in situations that make sense. So I think both of those things would probably help out Patrick, um, get, uh, you know, a little bit better, get into a better flow, the offense, get into a better flow, um, and kind of take advantage of the things that the defenses are giving them since they are now not blitzing nearly as much as they used to and kind of taking away some of those big plays. Dumb question. Who calls the place? Is it the offensive, not the offensive or offensive coordinator, but the, (laughs) who is it that, (laughs) who is it that um, does that? Gav's going to take this one. Uh, The defensive coordinator? The defensive coordinator calls the offensive place? Oh, Andy Reid. Andy Reid, yep. Okay, so the coach does it. Okay. So on, on, on our team, it is the coach that does it. Um generally that is yes Kev. can i do the defensive play calls too sure who does the defensive play calls steve spagnolo steve spagnolo who's our defensive coordinator so generally the way that it works is it will be the offensive play caller or the offensive coordinator who is also the play caller 
unless the head coach is particularly good at it, which is becoming more and more popular uh, as you know the the coaches that get hired are usually the ones who get hired after being a coordinator with a very good offense. So it's not uncommon that head coaches are calling the plays, but I would say standard operating procedure is that it's the offensive coordinators that are calling the plays. Yes. So, so at this moment in time, you're calling out Andy Reid a little bit, saying, listen, dude, you got to mix it up. Yes. Okay. Fair enough. All right. So jumping back into the game a little bit. Uh, we, we touched briefly there on the offensive line. I think they actually did have their best game of the year from a protection standpoint, uh, and it was definitely the best that Patrick Mahomes and the offensive line have kind of worked together as a unit this year. Uh, unfortunately, they did lose Lucas Niang to an, a rib injury uh, in the middle of the – it was either late in the first quarter or, or early in the second quarter. Um, and Mike Rimmers was already out with a knee injury, so they had to go to their third-string tackle, Andrew Wiley. Uh, he did give up one sack um, in the game. That was the one sack that the team allowed throughout the entire game. But he was a fairly solid performer for the for most of the game. Um, I already mentioned that Mahomes looked a lot more comfortable navigating within the pocket, uh, so that's definitely a positive sign. Um, I think the thing that really was the, the problem for the offense was they had lots of drops that seemed to be at pretty inopportune times. So um, I know there was uh, on one of the drives, I think it ended up being one of the field goal drives, there was a, a pass play that went to Travis Kelsey that would have been a, a first down on, I think it was second and 10 maybe, that uh, – Hit him right in the hands, and he dropped. I think he had another drop earlier in the game that also would have been for a first down. Josh Gordon had a drop fairly early on in the game. I think Tyreek dropped one as well. Uh, McCole Hardman, uh, he also dropped a pass, although that probably ended up being a good thing because he, on that play, they, they did review it to see if it was a fumble or not, and luckily it was considered a drop and not a fumble because we would have lost out on three points in that situation because that was the drive that we got down to the one yard line had the false start and then it ended up settling for a field goal the uh so the kind of the the thing that i walk away from the game feeling about the offense you know i think it was a step in the right direction probably not the massive leap that a lot of people were looking for but i mean you saw mahomes and the offensive line working together very well um, the Packers pass rush isn't, you know, tops in the league, but it's also, you know, not a bunch of bums. So I think the fact that they performed pretty well, uh, is a good sign. And, uh, you know, they took small steps forward, you know, clean up some of those drops. Uh, I think this offense would have looked a lot better than it ultimately did in this game. And I think the biggest thing this game they did not turn the football over, which was the first time that they had done that since the very first week of the season. The Packers turned the ball over a couple of times with that interception and the muffed punt, and the Chiefs ended up winning in the one-score game. So I think turnovers definitely played a factor in that. So that's another positive for the offense. Moving over to the defensive side of the ball, this actually was a fairly impressive game for the Chiefs' defense. 
They only allowed seven points. Those seven points were because Dan Sorensen is bad at football. <laughs> um, but for majority of the rest of the game, uh, they did an excellent job. So I know uh, Gigi mentioned it already that a lot of the Packers fans thought if Aaron Rodgers was out there that it would have been a different game. And while I think that may be true, one of the things that the defense actually did a very good job of was not allowing the the weapons that the Packers had to be kind of running freely. Um, all of the catches that the team that the, that the receivers made for the Packers seemed to be in contested situations for the most part. Um, did a little digging on how the secondary played, uh, specifically the cornerbacks. So a uh, majority of the snaps for the corners were played by Legereus Sneed, Charvarius Ward, who was re- uh, returned a couple of weeks ago from injury, and Rashad Fenton. And so uh, Legereus Sneed was targeted nine times throughout the game, which means the quarterback threw to the guy that he was covering. Um, only five of those passes were completed, and the completions only totaled to 42 yards for the entire game. And, of course, one of those passes that was not completed was actually intercepted by Snead. So if you look at the quarterback rating of the quarterback uh, on those nine targets against Legereus Snead is a quarterback rating of 28.2. And just for context, if a quarterback just got the ball and threw it straight into the ground – the quarterback rating would be uh, 39.4. <laughs> so Sneed had an excellent game. Charvarius Ward also had an excellent game. He was targeted five times with passes, uh, only allowed one completion, and that completion only went for 14 yards. So he had a pretty solid game, definitely uh, limiting the ability of the offense to move the ball. And then finally, Rashad Fenton, who's been coming on as the third corner for the Chiefs, come in in the nickel situations, was targeted three times in the game, allowed two completions. So there was a 66% completion percentage against him. Not fantastic. But those two completions went for a grand total of three yards. So you, you add all of those up. And those three corners uh, allowed a grand total of 59 yards on eight completions and got an interception. So I think they definitely did a good job of of shutting down the weapons that the Packers had. So if you happen Mm -hmm. to run into any of those Packers fans just kind of (laughs) saying Jordan Love was lousy, I think the Chiefs secondary definitely had a part to play in the fact that Uh, Jordan Love was lousy. To build on top of that, we are kind of seeing a resurgence of the pass rush. Uh, Definitely the defensive line, which we thought was going to be a strength of the team coming out of the preseason, might be kind of starting to round into form. So Frank Clark, our defensive end, who is making the most of any non-quarterback in the NFL this season, kind of seems to be getting healthy again, and we are seeing the Frank Clark that we saw during the Super Bowl run. He's actually had, the last two weeks, his Pro Football Focus grade, which Pro Football Focus is a website that 
basically just goes and grades the individual performance of players. Uh, they go back and they kind of watch the film over and over again to determine good play, bad play, and come up with a grade for the player based off of that. Uh, the last two weeks have been two of the three highest grades that Frank Clark has ever had in his career. So I believe he generated four pressures during the game, um, which is essentially he got in the quarterback's face and caused a little bit of commotion, didn't get any sacks, but he was definitely in there making trouble for Jordan Love. Uh, another uh, player who played very well along the defensive line, Chris Jones, he kind of moved back into his interior defensive tackle position, which is where he's been so effective in the early part of his career. Uh, he played a majority of his snaps from the inside again on this game. And uh, the Chiefs were rewarded. Uh, he got five pressures throughout the game, which coming from an interior pass rush position is very impressive uh, and definitely made him a lot more impactful player than he has when he was playing on the outside. Sorry, I'm getting a little um I'm getting a little marshmallowy. Marshmallowy? Yeah. One, I love marshmallow. Literally three people in my class call me marshmallow. Why? <laughs> because I'm always dancing like him. Okay. Literally, we we sang uh Miss Corbin happy birthday three times for for three different teachers. Miss Lee, the other teacher from across the hall, she brought her whole class in. And then I started dancing like Marshmallow. And then the police officer that brought him in is like, you, you start us off. And I'm like, why me? And then I just started doing it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that, Gavin. Yes. Excellent. <laughs> so Chris Jones returned to his interior pass rushing position, defensive tackle. One of the things that allowed that to happen was the Chiefs actually acquired Melvin Ingram from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Melvin Ingram, the defensive end, most commonly known as playing for the Los Angeles slash San Diego Chargers for the majority of his career. Actually came to Kansas City on a free agent visit during the offseason, but ultimately elected to sign with the Steelers. Uh, right before the trade deadline, uh, the Chiefs ended up sending a sixth-round pick to the Steelers in order to get Melvin Ingram on the team. Uh, and he was able to jump in, and even though this was his first week with the team, um, jump in in some pass rushing situations and was able to put a little bit of pressure on Jordan Love, uh, which allowed Frank Clark, Melvin Ingram being on the outside, allowed Chris Jones to move back to the inside. One other thing that has done is um, allowed Jaron Reed, who was supposed to be one of our big offseason signings, to... Uh, get a lot fewer double teams in the middle with so many other players requiring specific additional attention. Um, that has allowed Jaron Reed to get more um, single teams as opposed to double teams like he was seeing early on in the year. Uh, and we've seen a little bit more pass rush production, not necessarily in the form of sacks, but in pushing the pocket um, uh, the, these past couple of weeks as well. So, I think moving Chris Jones back to the inside has been a big reason why these past few weeks the Chiefs' defense has seen big improvements in the pass rush. And uh, I think that's definitely the way that the Chiefs want to play. I think they've designed their team through their personnel to 
have the offense get out to a lead and then have the defense be able to pin their ears back, rush the quarterback, and have the, the, the secondary be able to sit back, cover guys, and then make plays on the ball when they need to. Um, the last group that we've seen improvements from in the past couple of weeks, and we saw another good game from this past weekend against the Packers, were the linebackers. Uh, we've definitely identified who the three best are on the roster. it would be Willie Gay, Nick Bolton, and Anthony Hitchens. Whoa. Hmm. What? You're forgetting somebody. Who am I forgetting? Legereus Sneed. Legereus Sneed is a cornerback, not a linebacker. Legereus Sneed? Yeah. A quarterback? Corner. Oh, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I thought he was on defense, not <laughs> offense. I think I think he got the wrong guy. Yeah. <laughs> so, Willie Gay was injured for the first few games of the season. Uh, I believe actually ended up missing the first four games of the season, came back in week five, but it was snap count was fairly limited as he was working his way back onto the roster. Uh, he's basically been unleashed now for the past few games, uh, has actually had two interceptions. Him and Tyron Matthew are tied now for the team lead in interceptions. And uh, he's really been able to utilize his athleticism and, and become kind of a difference maker for the linebacking group. Uh, also performing well has been Nick Bolton, who I'll just mention, won the NFL Defensive Rookie of the Month for the month of October with his play uh, when Anthony Hitchens was out injured. Anthony Hitchens came back in this game um, and kind of returned to his middle linebacker duties which some people were hoping Nick Bolton would continue to take. But having in those three linebacker sets, they actually were able to get all three of their best linebackers out there. And I think that's making a big difference in the run game, the run defense game for the Chiefs. Why are you laughing, Gav? You said duties. Uh, all right, so one last thing that I did want to mention. Uh, I've touched on the play already. Dan Sorensen, I think at this point, is an unplayable safety. When he is out on the field, defenses are specifically targeting him, especially when he gets into one-on-one -on -one coverage. Uh, I saw a stat on Twitter this week that um, the defensive – EPA, which is expected points added. Somebody did a player is on the field versus player is off the field EPA calculation, and the defense gets significantly better when Dan Sorensen is not on the field. And uh, so I think, you know, people with eyeballs can see that he is not doing well this season, and then the stats are also backing that up. So I think we have reached the point where I think that Dan Sorensen needs to be a special teams only player. Last thing I wanted to touch on specifically about the Packers game was how big of an impact the special teams had. Uh, they, were, they were great in almost every single phase on Sunday against the Packers. Tommy Townsend, the punter, was actually named the AFC Special Teams Player of the Week. Generally, it's not a good thing when your punter is the player of the week. However, Tommy Townsend actually had an excellent game. He punted the ball six times. Five of the six times that he punted the ball, 
it was actually downed inside of the 20. The red zone. The, the red zone, that's right, kind of. It would be the red zone for the offense, but as the punter, he just pinned them back deep, the, the other team's offense back deep. Uh, the average distance on his six punts was 56.8 yards, <laughs> wow. which is a lot. And even more impressive, the net average, which means you factor in the return of the other team into it. You kind of take that away from how far the punt went, was 54.3 yards. So wow. not a big difference wow. between how far he actually kicked it and how far after you factor in the return the punts went. Definitely helping that was a couple of muffs, one of which the Chiefs were able to get back. The other one, the Packers were able to recover but did not get a return on that punt. Yes, Gavin? Um, how many did you? How many yards did he say total but not taking it away? Uh, his average punt was 56.8 yards. What about return? After you factor in the return, it was 54.3 yards. Two yards. So two yards was usually their, that was the average of the returns that they got. Which for context, generally you're doing pretty good if your uh, net average, which means you take into account the return, is uh, 45 or above. So that was almost a full 10 yards higher than what is considered pretty good. So he had an excellent game and was well-deserving of the special teams player of the week that he got for his game against the Packers. Special nice. teams also blocked a field goal, recovered a muffed punt, almost recovered a second muffed punt, had the ball in their hands, but when it went into the pile, they lost it. Uh, and then Harrison Butker was also two for two on field goals, including 55-yarder to close out the first half. So definitely big impact. Uh, obviously, those two field goals were the difference in the game. Um, and Tommy Townsend was really doing a great job putting the defense in position to be successful. So, does anybody have any other thoughts on the game or any other questions about the game before we start looking ahead? Go ahead, Gigi. Okay, I will just I will just say this about Jordan Love, and that's the other quarterback that got put in the sudden position of playing. Correct? Yes. Do I have his name right? Yes. yes. Okay. Um, so I will say this, he could, well, he, he, I was impressed that he did not make any excuses because he certainly as a newer player with not very much experience walked into a very difficult game to have be his first game. And I was very impressed that, you know, afterwards he wasn't whining around about, well, I'm so new. I don't have much experience, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, mm-hmm. he, he was still standing at the end of the game and he took his licks. You got to just count it to experience, which I think is what he did. And uh, so I, that was impressive that he wasn't a whiner. He was, he was, uh, you know, um, I don't know what, he was positive and he was, took his licks and was, you know, decent about it. Yeah. And it can't be easy having your first game be on the road in Arrowhead, which Gavin can now attest to, is a very, very loud place to play. Isn't that right? Yeah. Looked like you were going to yeah. say something, Gav. Yes. Um, for the for the offensive player of the week, well, just for the team player of the week, mm-hmm. what position normally gets it? Um, I mean, 
kind of the default is usually Patrick Mahomes. Uh, he's been struggling a little bit this year, so sometimes if there are individual performances where you know somebody really steps up, it might go to them. So early on in the season, I think Tyreek Hill had a really good game where he had almost 200 yards receiving. Um, Travis Kelsey had a game where he, you know, scored the two touchdowns that the Chiefs got. So, um, but I would say generally, it's usually Patrick Mahomes. This week, I'm not sure if there really was an offensive player of the week for the team because everybody kind of did not play great. So uh, maybe in in accumulation, I would just give the entire offensive line the 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 game ball on the offensive side for this week. All right, so looking ahead a little bit, uh, in the last podcast, uh, we were talking about how unlikely it was that the Chiefs were going to make the playoffs. And uh, the reason that uh, I had that outlook is because all of the competitors in the AFC that were likely to be the ones who are going to be successful for the remainder of the season have started playing very poorly. In the past couple of weeks, the Bills have lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars, who had not yet won a game at the point that they lost to them. That was supposedly the best team in the AFC. Last night, even, the Baltimore Ravens lost to the two-win Miami Dolphins. So a lot of the competitors in the AFC, even including the other teams in the AFC West, have all kind of started taking their lumps. And there's not really one team that's kind of taken the bull by the horns. Um, Right now, the team in the AFC with the best record is the Tennessee Titans although it now looks like Derrick Henry is going to be injured and out for potentially the remainder of the season. So while they may have the best record right now, I think there's definitely the potential for them to falter going forward. Yes, Gavin. What's going on with the Cardinals? The Arizona Cardinals? They're in the NFC, so they don't really factor too much into the playoff picture for the Chiefs. Yes, Gavin. How are the Bucks doing? The Bucks are playing okay. They've lost a couple of games that they probably should have won. Um, but they're still firmly in the playoff picture in the NFC. Are we in the playoff picture? We are in the playoff picture. Uh, I actually pulled this from Matt Verderam's Twitter. Uh, he is a guy who writes for one of the Chiefs' blogs uh, and actually does a couple of different Chiefs and NFL-based podcasts. He says, if this week upcoming, the Chargers lose to the Vikings, the Chiefs beat the Raiders, you would have Kansas City, Baltimore, Buffalo, Pittsburgh, and Denver, and then the winner of the Cleveland or New England Patriots game with six wins in the AFC, and then you would have Cincinnati, the Chargers, the Raiders, Indianapolis, and then the loser of the Cleveland-New England game have five wins. That is like 70% of the conference either having six or five wins. Um, so this this playoff race is still wide open. All right, so the Chiefs' next opponent, the Las Vegas Raiders, will be playing on Sunday night. Raiders mm-hmm. have had kind of a tumultuous past month or so. About three weeks ago, their former head coach, John Gruden, resigned after some uh, unflattering 
to put it mildly, emails came out um, from 10 years before. Uh, very misogynistic, homophobic, racist emails to uh, a, a guy that he used to work with came to light. So he, uh, he resigned as opposed to having to get fired. So that happened about three weeks ago. One of their assistant coaches took over as their interim coach for the remainder of this season. Uh, and then before last week's game, they actually had uh, one of uh, it's actually a pretty tragic situation. Um, one of their uh, young wide receivers who they drafted in the first round of 2020 uh, went out and was driving his car after drinking. Yes, Gavin. Can I do the honors of the sad part? Do you know the story? Mommy told me. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. A puppy dog died. Wow. Uh, uh, that is not at all the sad part of the story. Yes, it is. Puppy dogs are cute and fluffy and mm, adorable. Um. Okay, so he was out driving. He uh he he got drunk mm-hmm. while driving. And uh, he crashed, and he didn't break anything. He didn't get injured, but he killed a woman and her dog. Yep. And a Aww. puppy dog died. Wah! Yep. And so as more information has come to light on this particular story, I guess at one point he was out and had his car driving up to as fast as 156 miles an hour uh, while he was driving impaired. Uh, and the ensuing wreck did end up uh, killing a 23-year-old Las Vegas resident. So very shortly after that incident, uh, Henry Ruggs, who was the player in question, was uh, released from the team and now will likely be spending a very, very long amount of time in prison uh, because of his actions. So I think that definitely uh, has been something that the team has been dealing with. Uh, last week they played against the Giants and lost, and I think that's definitely something that was on their mind uh, while they were playing that game. Giants not a very formidable opponent, so the fact that the Raiders did lose uh, was a little bit surprising. But given the situation that they had gone through earlier that week, I think definitely makes sense. Uh, one other thing that has happened to them and actually happened earlier this week the, the other player they drafted, the same year they drafted Henry Ruggs, Damon Arnett was a cornerback out of Ohio State, was also released from the team this week uh, after uh, some charges for threatening uh, a person with a gun came to light. So the Raiders are continuing to live up to their um, reputation as uh, not, not the best people. Um, <laughs> and, uh, has yeah, maybe just, maybe just barely not the best people. Yeah. Hmm. Based off of the stories I just told a whole lot of not close to being good people, very bad people. Uh, so they're having to deal with a lot of the turnover associated with that. So it may be a good time for the chiefs to be playing the Raiders, especially since last season, the Raiders actually played the chiefs very, very tough. The one loss the Chiefs had when they were actually trying in the regular season was against the Raiders uh, in the first game at Arrowhead. And then the second game that they played in Las Vegas, 
the Chiefs had to win in a last-minute drive to give them the lead. So I think if this had been under normal circumstances, this definitely would have been a game that would have received a lot of top billing um, as being a kind of a marquee matchup between these two teams. Um, definitely some things that have taken some of the spotlight away from the game. Uh, just looking on the football field, as far as the matchup goes for the Chiefs and the Raiders, the Chiefs, or I beg your pardon, the Raiders defense has actually been very, very effective at rushing the passer this season. They have actually hit the quarterback on 22% of the pass attempts uh, going into this week, which is the highest percentage of any defense in the league. And they are doing this despite the fact that they blitz with the lowest percentage of any defense in the league. So one of the things that that kind of does, specifically when you're looking at the matchup of the Chiefs' offense uh, and how they struggle against teams that drop into coverage um, and what the Raiders do uh, on a week-in, week-out basis, they're really not going to have to change much to go into that dropping a lot of people into coverage and still be fairly effective at rushing the passer. So the the matchup of the Chiefs' offensive line versus the Raiders' defensive line is definitely going to be one to take a keep an eye on uh, this week um, and maybe an indicator on, on how successful the offense is going to be. Um, on the flip side, if you look at the Raiders' offense, offensive line, they have had a terrible time this year keeping Derek Carr protected. Uh, specifically, the right-hand side of their offensive line has been almost like a swinging gate, not really stopping too many people. Specifically, their first-round pick, Alex Leatherwood, uh, who was a tackle out of Alabama, has been playing along the right had been playing in the right tackle spot. Yes, Gavin, I see you leaning over to the microphone. Terry, you still with us? I am. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> Alex Leatherwood, who was drafted to be their right tackle on the team, has done such a poor job at right tackle that he has already been moved inside to guard. And in the nine games that have happened so far this season, he himself alone has allowed 45 pressures on the quarterback which equates to roughly five pressures a game being allowed from a single offensive lineman. And the remainder of their line hasn't been that much better than him. So I think this is definitely an opportunity for the defensive linemen to continue to have success this week. Um, And that will be a key thing that they need to get done because Derek Carr is actually a very good quarterback when he can stay in the pocket and go through his reads but he is a much, much, much worse quarterback when he has to deal with any type of pressure. So I think that's going to be a key for our defense this week. Um, The targets that he likes to throw to, Darren Waller, their tight end, is actually a physical freak as a tight end. (laughs) Um, He is uh, a very, very fast, very, very agile Uh, Tight end, he has given the Chiefs problems in the past, uh, in past matchups, and I'm sure that will continue to be the case so far this year. Uh, He's been the the, the player that uh, Derek Carr has targeted the most so far this year uh, and has the most receiving yards for the Raiders team. Um, Another one of his favorite targets is Hunter Renfro, and he has been a big play target against the Chiefs in the past. 
I believe he only had three catches in the two games, but his average reception length in those three catches was somewhere in the neighborhood of 28 yards per catch. Uh, So he's definitely somebody to keep an eye on as well. And uh, I mentioned Henry Ruggs, who has been their deep threat, did get released a couple of weeks ago. Uh, this Earlier this week, they did sign Deshaun Jackson. No idea how much he will play since he's brand new to the offense. Uh, but everywhere he has gone, he has been a pretty big deep threat. Um, so they could just put him out there to run him deep, uh, just to, to give our, our defense something to think about. So this is a huge matchup for... The Chiefs, I think if they are one to consider themselves a contender going forward, I think these are the two teams in the AFC West that um, you know are going to be there for the rest of the season. The Chargers have kind of fallen off a little bit um, after their kind of hot start and not played great against some less than good opponents. Um, but I think you know this this matchup can go a long way towards. Uh, determining who some of the, the the playoff contenders will be from the AFC West. All right, so <laughs> once the Chiefs get past this game against the Raiders, uh, next week they've got Dallas at home, and then they get into their bye week for the season. Uh, after the bye, their, their schedule is much, much easier in my opinion. They have to play the Broncos two times, while the Broncos do have five wins this season. Four of them have come against teams that are just terrible. Um, they play the Raiders one more time, the Chargers one more time. So obviously lots of games left against the divisional opponents. With everybody having five wins right now, all of those will go a long way towards the Chiefs being able to win the division, uh, which would also allow them to get into the playoffs and host a home playoff game. Uh, the two other remaining games on the schedule are against the Steelers who've had a fantastic defense so far this year, um, but their offense has struggled mightily. So the Bengals are the other opponent who started off the season pretty hot, but in the past couple of weeks have lost their past two games. One to the New York Jets, who have not been good this season. We're also starting their backup quarterback, who had never played a game before. Uh, And then last week got just spanked by the Cleveland Browns. So I think the, the Bengals have kind of come back down to earth and uh, are looking more like what people expected them to be, which was a average to maybe slightly above average team. But that game is definitely looking a lot easier than it was looking a few weeks ago. Yes, Gavin. Where did the Bengals get spanked? On the football field. By who? The Browns. In what part? Uh, the football scoreboard part. And what part of the scoreboard part? Uh, all four quarters. <laughs> That's a quarter. Oh, yeah, the 25 cents thing. Yeah. Wait, there's money in football? Lots of money in football. Yeah, Lots there of is. money. <laughs> so I think that about wraps up the podcast for the day unless anybody else has thoughts that they would like to share or questions they would like to pose i have a question okay i have lost track of how many homes have the raiders had 
in the last, well, since their inception even, because I remember it used to be the Oakland Raiders, and we, as a Kansas City fan, we hated them mightily. Mm-hmm. But where all have they been since then? So they did start off in Oakland, then, yes, Gavin. The Raiders? Yes. So they started off in Oakland when they were back in the <laughs> AFL days. Uh, then at one point they moved to Los Angeles and were the Los Angeles Raiders. Uh, then all of the teams that were in Los Angeles, which was the Rams at the time and the Raiders, ended up moving out of Los Angeles because they could not get a new stadium. And they moved back to Oakland. Uh, and then... Since Oakland could not get a new stadium out of the city of Oakland, they ended up moving last season to Las Vegas. So technically, they've only been three places, but they have had four different stints in cities in their team's history. And do we still hate them? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Yes, Gavin. Can I answer that one for the Chiefs, though? Yes. We started out in, was it Houston? Dallas. Dallas. We, yeah, we started out as the Dallas Chiefs. Texans. The da- yeah, the Dallas Texans. And then we moved to Kansas City and changed our name to the Chiefs. Yep. That was very early on. I think they were only in Dallas for maybe three or four years. Yeah. Um, and then Lamar Hunt, who was the owner of the team at the time, Uh, decided to move out of Dallas since the Cowboys, the NFL team, who are still the NFL team in Dallas, uh, were kind of the more popular group. So Lamar Hunt decided to move the team to Kansas City, where we've been ever since. Great move on his part. It was. Since 1960. It's been a while. Been a while. (laughs) Okay. Thank you for the answering that. No problem. Good question, Jill. I just can't keep up anymore. <laughs> okay, can I do my normal thing that we do at the end? We're not quite to the end end yet, but it'll be soon. First of all, I want to thank both Gigi and Terry for a couple of things. One, for the opportunity to go to the game for my birthday and allow me to take Gavin to his first regular season game at Arrowhead. So thank you very Woo-hoo! much for that. You're also, welcome. Thank you for coming on and joining us on the podcast. You're welcome. I hope it was an enjoyable experience for you. It certainly was. You're welcome back anytime. Thank you for the opportunity. Mm. Great fun. I'm getting to be a pro. That's right. You're gonna (laughs) you're gonna have your own your own setup soon up there doing your own podcasts, aren't you? Absolutely. All about the Chiefs, even though they're not no. broadcast up here. Hey, no, cheese heads for the Chiefs. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there is a bar up here that specifically uh, Chiefs uh, fans gather and go to. And fortunately, I didn't write it down. They, I don't know how it was that made the television a, a couple years ago. Um, and I failed to write it down and... Now, I don't know where it's at, but definitely I need to find them. They're my people. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's episode. We would ask that if you enjoyed listening, uh, you go out to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and review. 
Uh, you can also follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere that you get your podcasts. That way you will be notified when new episodes are available. You can also reach out to us and follow us on Twitter. Uh, we will also notify you when new episodes are available that way as well. Yes, Gavin? Now? Can I Not go? quite yet. Uh. <laughs> One thing I do want to remind listeners as well, you can uh, go to the link in the show notes uh, in the description of the episode. There's a link that you can actually leave us a voice message, and we will use that audio in the next episode and feature you on the show if you leave us a message. We had Mark from Olathe call in and leave us a message, and we featured him on the show. We're still waiting for our second voice message to be featured on the show. When we get more popular, there's going to be like one million voice messages coming in like a week. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. That would. would. We're going to have to start picking like five per an episode. Yeah. That would be awesome. And Andy, I have had to call you directly and ask my very convoluted questions because... They, my questions were so uh, upside down and inside out that I didn't feel confident in leaving them for you in person. I mean, I felt better talking to you about them in person. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm listening. Yeah, we appreciate that very much. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us for this episode. Do you You're think welcome. Gavin? How about those cheese? cheese.